Welcome to the Hop and Brew School podcast. I'm Justin Crosley. With me today will be Nick Ziegler, but he's gone missing and I needed to get started. And so he'll be here eventually. But you know what? This is serious business, this podcast. Oh, man, really? This See? Can't As wait. my guest Denny Khan, a, 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 a new a, a new podcaster, uh, can attest. <laughs> new n- new compared to you, but we have done four years and a hundred episodes. Yeah, but I have one thing that I've been doing longer than you, Denny, and that's podcasting. That's true. So that's you're true. you know what? You're a rookie to me. You're a you're Thanks, a baby. Man. I appreciate that. <laughs> I've been an audio engineer for fifty years. I but. know. <laughs> In fact, my very first uh, homebrewers conference, I had you help me with that's sound. That's right. I remember that man. I borrowed a sound system from a friend of mine, which was clearly from the 70s, because it was the most giant thing so I've ever right seen. right up my alley. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, Denny, can you help me out? Well, you know what, man? And the first interview that I was ever asked to do was with you. So oh, I'm cool. honored to be back again after all these years. I love this. Denny Khan is my guest today, along with my good friend, John Palmer. Howdy, howdy. And today we're going to be talking about legacy hops, uh, or I, I could even call them unloved hops, not because Brewers don't use them anymore, but because they don't get the love, uh, you know, publicly, we don't talk about them yeah. anymore. They're not retro. They're still cool. They're not. Yeah, the, yeah exactly. <laughs> uh, but before we get into that, I do want to bring up uh, Denny Khan's new book, which is uh, it's Denny Khan and and my other friend uh, Drew Beecham have written the book, Simple Home Brewing: Great Beer, Less Work, and More Fun. That's my motto. But I want to bring something up. Okay. In simple homebrewing, mm-hmm. you guys quote Henry Wadsworth Longfellow. For God's sake, how That's simple right, can it be, Denny? <laughs> <laughs> but it works, doesn't it? It totally works. His quote is, in all the things, the supreme excellence is simplicity. That's right. That's right, man. I n- Name me one brewery that wants to make things more complicated. Right. Well, probably most of them, oh, they just sure. do it unintentionally. <laughs> yeah, right. And I think that's part of the premise of your book is that in an unintentional way, we just kind of overcomplicate things uh, as a species, really. <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, and and homebrewing is one of them. And I think it's important to know, and I want you to elaborate on this for me, but I think it's important to note, you guys aren't talking about dumbing down brewing. No, no, no. You're just talking about how we can get the same things done uh, uh, in a little more simplistic matter. Right. A lot of people see that title, Simple Homebrewing, and they think, oh, it's, it's a beginner's book. Sure. And what I've discovered after 21 years and 550 batches of homebrew is that it's people who've been brewing a long time that need the concept of simplicity the most. Right. You know, because you pick up all these habits and and you don't know why you're doing things. Somebody told you this is the right thing to do or something like that. And so you keep doing it, but you never really stop to think about if that's making your beer better or even more importantly, if it's making your brewing experience more fun. Yeah. Because God damn it, we are (laughs) homebrewers. We are in it for the fun. If you're not having fun, you're doing it wrong yeah uh a lot of a lot of this book came about because of something i saw online uh where somebody posted a question saying what part of homebrewing do you stress out about most and i'm going man if you're stressing out about anything you have a serious problem right you know yeah Uh, so so we wrote this book to try and get people to make good beer as easily as possible, have more fun doing it. Okay. People are busy. They have jobs. They have families. They don't want to mess around. Uh, one of the things I talk about in the book is making an all-grain batch with a 20-minute mash and a 20-minute boil. Wow. And it works great. Okay. 
I think this is important. Uh, I, I think this is super important, and, and exactly for the reason that you said, uh, it's actually those of us who have been homebrewing longer that need this mm-hmm. advice. And maybe more specifically, those of us who are getting on in the years and have families and are busy and have a lot going on, and we end up brewing less. Right. And so I think this is a tool maybe to get us back to brewing more without taking up more time. Exactly, right, exactly. You know. Cut so, into the chase. It, jo- John was our technical editor for it, so I was I was glad wow. to hear, have him not come back and say, you guys are just full of crap. Ah, so he, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Wait, were there times that he came back and oh, said, of course he yeah. did. <laughs> but you know what? When we came back with our point of view, he was very reasonable okay. about things and only said, you're stupid a couple times. <laughs> yeah. In a very kind way. In a very kind way. Yeah. You know, John. And I'm sure it was around the water. <laughs> exactly. Yep. Yep. Uh, my good friend and co-host Nick Ziegler has joined us on the program. I'm sorry we had to start without you, but no, we, it's you know honestly that's probably a better uh, choice in life in general. <laughs> start without you. That's what I was saying. Well, yeah. gee, thanks, Denny. <laughs> no problem. Um, so, one of the things that, that Denny, you. you told this to me many, many years ago. Sorry, folks. The microphone was... Uh, I, I had misplaced it. Um, Danny, you said this to me many times early on, and I think we've, we've discussed this before. Uh, you and I at least have. I'm not sure if we've discussed it on the podcast. We've discussed it on yours, but not on this one. But we uh, met over the internet mm-hmm. um, approximately... Nearly 20 years ago. Actually, uh, um, there were dating sites that long ago? <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, bearded... You're just jealous. Bearded, 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 bearded braided, hose, mash tun, seeks efficient fly sparger to forward his <laughs> Right, right, right. It's lonely. a little known Craigslist, Craigslist category, but it exists. Lonelyhomebrewer.com. Uh, we met in a lonelyhomebrewer.com. No, no. Yeah, well, maybe. Um, I just needed some more couple, uh, copper uh, nipples. Um, uh, we, uh, we met in 1999. That's about right. On yeah. tastybrew.com mm-hmm. back in the days. It, it still exists in the Wayback Machines and the calculators mm-hmm. still work and they're still the best. <laughs> oh, nice. um, but um, when you're talking about simplifying homebrewing, your first experiment, and we've argued, or not argued, we have discussed civilly as gentlemen um, about the uh, methodology behind the decoction mashing experiment. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter. Why the hell would you do a decoction match? Mm. Because you enjoy the process. Okay. But I used to steadfastly maintain there was no benefit to a decoction mash. You were wasting your time doing it. There was no nothing there. And as I've gotten older, I've mellowed and moderated my views. Mm-hmm. And I now say... Don't do a good decoction mash because it will necessarily improve, your, improve beer. your beer. Do a decoction mash because you enjoy getting in touch with that history and doing the process. And See, you enjoy I like doing this. a decoction mash, mm-hmm. which is something that you should do if you have an excess of beer and you need to make sure to uh, base the brisket with a nice <laughs> vinegar mop or, or a spray you got to spend time with it. And then you come back to the beer and continue doing that. That's, mm-hmm. that's sort of, yeah, it's relaxed. Don't worry. 
have a home brewing. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, check out the book, and you can learn all about uh, simplifying your home brewing. It's uh, published by Brewers Publications. Congratulations. I think they're nice. the best. Thank, uh, you. Thank yeah. you, man. We're real happy to be with them. Y- you've got three books out now. That's correct. Uh, Simple Home Brewing uh, being the latest. Experimental Brewing, another great book. Thank you. And what was Don't the forget third? Homebrew All-Stars. Homebrew All-Stars. There Starring we go. Nathan Smith. Uh, uh, <laughs> I was wondering. <laughs> Among a cast of many others. But That's thank right. you for that shout out, Danny. Oh, uh, yeah, man. That. No, uh, well, thank you for uh, putting up with us and getting involved. <laughs> no problem. All right. You can go to brewerspublications.com and check it out and get yourself a copy of uh, Simple Homebrewing. Today, as I mentioned, we are here to talk about um, uh, unloved hops. Uh, you know, our, or hops from history. Uh, yeah. yeah I, I, I don't know about exploring. unloved, man. I love them. Uh, and, and we all do. I Like I said, I only use it in the sense that they don't get like the social media love. They don't get a selfie. Right. They don't get. <laughs> they're not posted on Instagram anymore. Yeah, uh, you no know, hashtags. Those, no. Yeah, no, nobody says hashtag fuggles. Yeah. Uh, it just doesn't happen. It's not sit on a stage with a guitar get or something. Some more uh, UK brewers into your uh, Twitter stream. And then they, yeah, yeah. So it's I, ironic. I, I wanted to, to talk about this because, um, not because we're all old, which we are, uh, and we, and we're, we're, some of us older than others. Is that what you're getting at? No, not even that, Denny. I, you know what? I figure after we, our livers are definitely all in the 60s. I'm not gonna lie. Yeah. Once we get to a certain age, I just lump us all together. Okay. And I'm in that lump, man. Um, I, I wanted to talk about it with you all because we, we've uh, used these hops extensively, both yeah. as a primary focus in our beer and as a secondary focus in our beer. And uh, a, I need to add some more hops to this. Yeah, yeah. And here's what be you honest, have. Let's be honest. Let's be honest. The Absolutely. kitchen sink. And I'm, and I'm not even going to go so far as to define all of the hops that might fall into this category. Instead, I'm going to let us bring up the hops that we think fall into this category. Um, and I'm going to start us right off um, with the sea hops. I mean, why yeah. wouldn't we start right. with these? Right. Uh, obviously, still widely loved and used, hence the, uh, the odd name unloved. However... No one's saying, "Oh, I just made my latest IPA with 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 this new awesome Cascade." Um, <laughs> what a brewer might mention, though, is how great a crop of Cascade was this year, or something like that. So, why don't we just talk about the impact and the importance of the sea hops in in home brewing and craft brewing? Yeah. Do you think that Sierra Nevada was the one that kind of uh, introduced us to this? Them and, yeah. and Anchor with Liberty. Okay, uh, I'm, I'm gonna. Okay. Liberty did it. Liberty put it on the table. Sierra, Sierra Nevada took the ball and ran with it. Sierra, Sierra Nevada made her shine yes. with Sierra Cascade Nevada, in particular. In yeah, this yeah, case. yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, Cascade in particular. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. uh, Fritz and the team, and uh, it just, geez, so many wonderful people at, at Anchor. So you get, um, well, just Chris and. Chris, actually, both Chris. Let's stick to the hops. They're fine and all, but the people are fine. But let's. But they made these hops shine. Is they're, what both, they're both. They're yeah. both showcases to to uh, and cascade. A very right? different way, yeah. which yeah. is really important to talk about. So, and Anchor had yeah. like a special part of their brewery set aside. I remember, at least in the old days, to make Liberty. Like they took that beer very seriously. To and that was yeah. one beer, yeah. one of the first beers, if I'm not mistaken, in 1976 or so that right. really showcased Cascade. Yeah. Right. And obviously, Sierra Nevada Pale Ale is. 
founded on that. It's yeah, I mean, flavor like, and aroma. as far as I'm concerned, Anchor Liberty and Sierra Nevada Pale Ale kind of defined the American beer. Mm-hmm. The mm-hmm. new American mm-hmm. Pale Ale IPA. Yeah, right. Cascade, you know? and, and to, the new world hop. Yeah. To, to, to this day, although it's trendy to disc crystal malt and those older hop varieties and stuff like that, I still firmly believe you cannot have an American Pale Ale or IPA without 10% crystal malt okay. and Cascade hops. Yeah. Well, didn't he West from Crystal? Well, uh, we're, this is the young versus, well, the younger, the, the, less the, broken. I, I would hear... <laughs> I'm only going to say this about that comment. Yes. The only thing that's arguable is the, is the crystal. Yes. You're going to find no. camps, but I don't think anyone's going to argue with you that a sea hop belongs in those beers. Yeah, and the uh, crystal absolutely does too because it was, it was those legacy beers had it in it. Yeah, yeah, you know? yeah, and, yeah. And those beers defined it. Now, an interesting thing is a few years ago at Great American Beer Festival, uh, Sierra came home with no medals for the pale ale and were told that it was out of style. Oh, Two my God. It was too malty. <laughs> yeah. What the hell? Yeah. Sorry about the style we invented for you. Yeah, yeah. Because because so many other people have taken it and run with it and taken out the crystal and added loads of other hops and stuff like that. So Sierra Nevada Pale Ale was deemed to be out of style when uh, compared to all. I can others. imagine those tasting notes back from the GABF. They just have them framed. Yeah. You know, as a matter of fact, yeah. I mean, when I they were talking about when I was there for beer camp a few years ago, and everybody thought it was just really funny. I hope hope Ken has like a rodeo belt buckle. Because, <laughs> I mean, that would just be perfect. Yeah. 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 Well, this is exactly the point of this conversation, that a, that a beer like that with the hops that we're talking about, the hops that right. defined, in fact, I think it was you that just now said, like, the new age. Uh, yeah, the uh, new world hop character. The new world hop character yes. can, can, can now be out of style. Yeah, right. Which exactly. is kind of amazing. Yeah. Well, all these other varieties have come about, and they're new, and so they become trendy, and people start using them. And, and you know, there's some other really great hops that you can make pale ales with and IPAs, but if you want to make the classic American pale ale or IPA, yeah. it's got to have sea hops. Yeah. I mean, you yeah. know, Nick, you remember 20 years ago when we were on Tasty Brew, people <laughs> would ask about a recipe for an American Cascade, IPA. Columbus. And, well, right, people would right. just say, you know, here's your malt bill and then put sea hops in it. Yeah. Yeah. You know? just, yeah. 30, 30, 30. Yeah. Is, is, it was 30, grand, or 30, 30 IBUs from the boil, 30 IBUs from halfway through. And then 30 units of hops, pounds, liters, whatever the hell you want to add. 30 of something. a shit ton of them at the end and in the dry hop. But that was about about it, man. You put in 30% at the beginning, 30% in the middle, 30% at the end. Sure. And, you know, and the thing is that because we've had all these new trendy hops that have their own delicious, you know, flavors and aromas to them, people have forgotten how solid these older hops are. Yeah. You know, there's a reason we used them in everything, and it's not just because we didn't have any other choices. Sure. It's because it worked, and it made damn great beer. And yeah. let's let's just say that we, we've covered this on the show before. Nick is the one who taught me this. Um, you know, just because we're maybe not talking about them or using them as the predominant hop, they're still always... A place for them as lifter hops. Mm-hmm. I yep. think that's a term I think I learned from you, something that just lifts things up. So, what, whereas in the past, uh, actually in, in the present too, but um, you know, they were the primary. They made Sierra Nevada stand out. And they might still do that in a new beer, but the, you know, the Citrus and the Simcoe's of the worlds are going to take over. They still have a place as a lifter, right? Even so, if you're using those. 
Even if you're using the new house. One of the best ways to use Sabro, which was uh, HBC 438, as Vinny alluded to earlier in her presentation that I believe will be available, Mm -hmm. um, as Ron Mexico, it's a Neo-Mexicanus hop. It is extremely um, intense in a lot of aromas. Pineapple, lime, coconut, and a lot of American oak dill character. Some of its sisters have some more of that character. Uh But... When you combine it with about 10 or 20% Cascade and about 10 or 20% uh, Simcoe, it flips itself up mm. and it just really opens up and it takes away from some of the characters. It really helps accentuate the fruity character mm. and the pina colada beach character of that hop. And I'm trying to figure out in the lab why this is. I have no idea. It's like essential oils maybe reinforcing each other somehow in a way that's not understood yet, or, so you have or seen, esters, or there's so many different things. So, so, yeah. so essential oils is actually uh, it will contain esters, thiols, uh, sesquiterpenes, blah 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 blah, everything. Right. So, really, what we're looking at is we're looking at trying to figure out relations that are synergistic, hmm. antagonistic, or separate. And so, separate means they can both coexist independently synergistic means they amplify each other in one way or another and antagonistic means they cancel each other out and the real cluster of the cl- <laughs> cluster fug it or the fucking chug it uh, which is a different brand or um, is that we don't know what's happening and we're trying to figure it out. So, so you you can see that 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 a single hop will both act as a lifter and a suppressant. Yeah, of other. So, brands. a lifter of positives and a suppressant of negatives. Mm-hmm. Whereas another one will be a lifter of two thirds of the positive and one third of the negatives, but suppress everything else. So, what the hell is going on? <laughs> so, somebody who can sure. only get twenty percent of the hype hop that they want could essentially possibly blend some of these these other old school hops that are still awesome. Well, to lift those and get more mileage out of the. Well, you're not gonna you're not gonna lift them to the same character. Understood. You're, you're, but you're gonna lift a specific spike. So um, I, I talk about Chino- crystal, for example, is an excellent example. Yeah. Um, add crystal. So Laurel already has the highest linalool that we have recorded in the last two years of, of harvest, which is kind of crazy because it's okay. like it, it's it's like thirty percent more than anything else. It's, it's nuts. Okay. Well, Crystal's got some interesting characteristics with a lot of geranium and some other characters that are going to match that well. So does 692. Crystal and Laurel is like a citrus ice pick in hmm. your in your eyeball. Whereas you taste that bright, things, I, I, I guess. Yeah, it's very bright. Thank you. Thank you. You're right. Brought it back to the visual metaphor. Yeah, John's, yeah. Is, John's more pleasant. Uh, <laughs> it's delicious. <laughs> um, however, when you combine it with... Um, other hops, for example, you're going to end up with a much more tropical, but some other character. You're going to accentuate sure. the caryophylline, which is going to be a black pepper or sort of a green pepper corn, not green oh, pepper. Yeah, green pepper is different. Yep. That's that's all going to be in the bract, by the way. Um, you you get these different characters that are that are additive and synergistic at the same time, and it's incredibly confusing. Okay, and that's what I love about some of the old hops. And Denny, you helped me. When you put put up all your information for your for Denny's RIPA, which I'm sure all of us know, right, right. Yep. which is banging, and everybody should brew it. And I was like, just because I want to get it in my local bar, uh, <laughs> please, y'all, um, is also that um, 
Heroic and Boolean. And this was mentioned in a previous podcast with Steve and... Was that, were those two different words? Those are two, two different hops. Eroica okay. and Boolean. Got it. And these are two old hops. Are there, is there any acreage of those, either of those left? No. Did not yeah, think so. I was going to so. say, I haven't seen Eroica. I haven't seen Eroica since the 90, late yeah, 90s. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I got a hold of some in, 2000, in the early 2000s. No way. Uh, but they were old. Right. But they still worked. And this is what's interesting. Uh, the uh, the real problem is that those those two hops were um, disease sensitive, mm-hmm. and they didn't mm-hmm. yield terribly well. So there's no, especially during the time period, there's no reason. Like you've heard about Steve talk about this before. There's no reason to grow those. Um, but Eroka and Boolean together create the most intense mulberry blackberry character, hmm. and that's what I see in the middle of Simcoe and some other things. So if you find some older hops, not Eroka and Boolean, but perhaps their parents or children. Fuggles Nugget Nugget has a yes. ton of character. Yeah, has a ton underappreciated, of, but could fit a role like this, perhaps. Oh, exactly, yeah. ton of middle fruit character. Always one uh, of my not middle fruit, yeah. but middle fruit. Right, um, and uh, they bump that up. And so I, I, I've tried to make the beer that I made with those originally. Can't make it anymore with Eroic and Bullion. So I got to figure something else out. Yeah. Okay, Simcoe's got somewhere I want. Cluster's got something. Nugget's got something. Chinook has this weird capacity to just bump up the fruitiness. Recently discovered this year, thiols. Stan Hieronymus wrote some articles on this. Uh, this yes, is really important. Yeah. Uh, we're actually validating this right now through, ex- through experiments. But there's a lot of stuff going on in these varieties. Sure. And, and you can combine them in completely different ways. Which is why they're still so valuable. And that's the yeah. point. Is okay. That, so I want to bring up hops that maybe people don't even remember the name of and denny i asked you to remind me of what i I asked the wrong guy to remind me on the last show because your mind is like mine and we forget everything i'm old it was gold something brewer's gold brewer's gold Ah. and and the other one i was thinking i'm gonna throw it out now before i forget about it is falconer's flight uh that was a blend that's a blend that's a blend blend. okay okay that but that has a lot of well the original blend had a lot of the classic c hops i see we're talking about Ah, the blend was never consistent that was 17 what about brewer's gold is that something that we still care about you know I have only used Brewer's Gold a few times because yeah. when I got into brewing, it was like at the end of Brewer's Gold. Sure, Back to the late okay. 90s you know, again. It was yeah, there, but not yeah. much. So, I, you know, I think that I, I remember like a couple recipes in Charlie's book that use them that I, right. that I made. But again, it was a lot of years and a lot of beers ago, and uh, I okay. don't remember much about them. I don't think that's so, you know, I started... Uh, homebrewing in 2005 and it was never a thing that was never I, I know the name but I'd, I don't I've never touched it I've never smelled it right when, when I when I started in 98 they were hard to find but available and uh, yeah. by by 2000 I don't remember seeing them okay Daddy, you started brewing in 98 yeah dude yeah when he was 17 <laughs> yeah I wish I was I started like Ah, oh, that's 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 the year I started. Ninety eight's yeah. a good year. Same here, which is insane. Because yep. <laughs> yeah, I, I look to you as the person who's been brewing for so long. I he's calling, he's but, calling you old, is yeah. what he's doing. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I I brewed a lot for a, a, a quite a number of years. So yeah. I want okay. Give me a hop that I'm not thinking of, Denny. Can you give me something that, that uh, Justin, can in I your throw? past? Uh, uh, Willamette, I think, is one that doesn't get enough uh-huh. love these yeah. days. Okay, uh, still Hood. grown. 
Mount, Mount Hood. Hood. Yeah. Thank you. Okay, I mean, that's I, a good one. I, I thought Milo's Alt. Well, that's right. I thought of that because uh, Nick mentioned my my rye IPA recipe, which is a combination of Columbus and Mount Hood. Okay, at, at various times in it, and. One of the things that I will always remember is uh, John Meyer coming out to my house. Uh, nice. From Rogue, yeah. yeah, yeah. He, was, he was like a member of our homebrew club. Cool. <laughs> so on, on like Learn to Homebrew Day, he, like we were, I was having a big club event at my house and he stopped by and I had just gotten done developing the Rye IPA recipe and I gave John a glass of it and he took a sip and looked at me and said, this is the flavor I've been looking for. Oh. And he asked me, I mean, you know, we already had sure. like, you know, six feet off the ground. Yeah. And he asked me about the hops and I said, well, it's Columbus and Mount Hood. And he went, I never would have thought about Those that. Those two together. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's a really symbiotic relationship, you know, using that, that very aggressive American hop with the, the mellow German-inspired American hop. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But it, it kind of set me off on a series of explorations with other uh, combinations and I ended up uh, with a, a porter recipe that uses Cascade and Tetanang mm. which mm. is really off the wall and just works great. Right. So, well, you know? yeah. I love this. So, you know, so I mean, so all of those are kind of like hop varieties you don't see used a lot anymore. Right. And it's not because there's anything wrong with them. It's not because they don't give you great results. It's because people grab the new and trendy. Yeah. And I think that's worth noting that, that you saying that, Denny, because you're right. It's not that these, it's not that they went bad. It's not that we didn't like their characteristics. We just like new shit. Yeah. Let's, let's be honest. Exactly. So, so well, you know, and it falls firmly into the old man yells at cloud area. <laughs> Get off yeah. my Florida, Florida man yells at cloud. Yeah. yeah. But, Sorry, you know, Florida. but, you know, I wish I get a lot of from Drew. Uh, but, you know, that has actually nothing to do with it. You know, You're right. what it has to do with is that people jump on the bandwagon of something new and trendy at the expense of forgetting what's solid and valuable. Yeah, 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 yeah. 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 So, so how do you feel about New England IPAs? <laughs> you don't want to go there. <laughs> oh, good Lord. Might be a different show. Oh, man. I, don't, yeah, don't, don't get me started. <laughs> well, yeah, it, that, that's fine because I've got the same question for John Palmer. I asked Denny, you know, give me some hops that you that you knew and loved. If, if there's one I haven't thought of, even better, but just ones well, that you knew and loved. Yeah, my, my favorite hops from when I first wrote How to Brew was, were Nugget, Galena, Cascade, Galena. Liberty. Liberty. Uh, Liberty, oh yeah, another one of the Mount Hood Crystal group. Yeah, um, yeah, those those were the you know the American versions of your Hollow Tower Middle Fruit and Tetanang and so on that you know trying to capture some of that mm-hmm. uh, lager hop character you know with the so called noble hops and so on. Um, yeah, and those all worked really well together. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, the but I, I always I always you know in brewing my pale ales I, I i my home brewing was predominantly american pale ale and american wheat which was designed to mimic pete's wicked lager oh interesting uh, yeah which oh, i was a, when the, when that was, i don't even that, remember before, pete's before, wicked lager dude, before they I was sold a pete's out wicked they were guy. amazing yeah, yeah. Sorry, before yeah. they got bought they were yeah, yeah early, okay. early on it was an amazing beer yeah. okay yeah i mean um that was you know that was like that was, well, Pete's Wicked was you know early nineties. Sure. I had been brewing for a couple of years, and when I had Pete's Wicked Lager, which was all Liberty, I believe, or a lot of Liberty in the finish, you know, just such clean, 
um, noble pine floral kind of thing going on with the Liberty Hop. Uh, that's what that's what I start brewing uh, that beer very frequently. Okay, um, so it sounds like you're kind of in my wheelhouse too. To this day, I still enjoy earthy, mm-hmm. noble. EKG and, and pine uh, EKG. Yeah, those like are the characteristics I enjoy. Fruity and spicy, yeah. or spicy. Uh, fruity is not. Well, yes, yeah, spicy. Yes, yeah. Earthy, fruity is earthy. not. Fresh EKG is fruity. Right. Okay. Okay. But what you get? Well, I'm just talking characteristics in general. Um, I to this day will take earthy, piney. Mm-hmm. Over fruity estery any any day. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. In, really? in my pale ales, you know, everybody knows I'm just a pale ale nerd. It's almost all I drink. I, I either drink a pale ale or a German style lager. Right. Yep. And in yep. both of those beers, I kind of want the same hop characteristics. I want some noble, earthy, piney, over fruity yeah. almost any day. Yeah. Four seventy two, dude. I'm gonna get you some juice this week. <laughs> <laughs> well, Denny and I were talking earlier and we were saying, you know, when when we started homebrewing, uh, and I guess maybe more for me because I started around 89, 90, mm-hmm. um, and then I was I was brewing a lot in the early 90s. You know, you would have people, you know, give you their beer and say, you know, what do you think of this? And Oh, you know, it's too phenolic. You know, check your fermentation temperature, or it's it's too estery. Well, it's all you know. German defined. Well, yeah, or continental it, defined, I guess. Some of the, but I mean, you know, tasting each other's homebrew, you're saying, uh, yeah, this this beer is too estery. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, pitch more yeast, or you know, ch- you know, it's always it always went back to the fermentation. Let's, sure. And so with the with the growth of very fruity hop characters. Um, and and then Belgian IPAs, it, it, they never appealed to me because to me I always associated them with bad homebrew. Yeah, you know, it, it faults and you know. Uh, I'm not far issues. off from you. Uh, in this, in starting the Brewing Network, estery was one of my first words that I learned right? <laughs> uh, from Jamil. Uh, Jamil's a great guy to learn from. I I, yeah. I I really enjoyed in the beginning tasting beers with Jamil, and one of his one of the thing one of the reasons I enjoyed it is he kept saying, "Whatever you taste isn't wrong." So I was yeah. I was intimidated, right? Because he's Jamil, and all you guys, meeting all you guys, uh, but he's like, "This whatever you taste isn't wrong." You might not have the word to describe it, but or it you might not have the same word that I have. Yeah, yeah, but, but it doesn't mean it's wrong. And anyhow, estery was something that did, that stuck with me very early on because I didn't enjoy it because of bad homebrew again, For, because probably. of bad homebrew. Yeah. So. I, I think it's very interesting that you point this out, Palmer, that as, as hops become a little more fruity mm-hmm. and estery, we, us old school guys, associate them a little bit with poor fermentation. Yeah. yeah. Right? And it, it takes a little, it takes a shift in mindset to say, okay, this is a good beer. It is clean. This character is coming from somewhere else. Yeah. No, I, this is, I'm, I'm going to have to, to drop a bomb on this conversation because the fruitiness that you get from a uh, stressed yeast fermentation mm-hmm. or a POF positive or perhaps a uh, weak membrane strain like I'm just going to say it London L3 Conan so on and so forth okay uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, that the reason they, they they have such an expressive character is uh, we are looking into this but we believe that it has to do with membrane strength uh, so there's a lot of permeability going on mm-hmm. but the esters that are yeast derived 
versus those that are hop-derived are very different. True. And when you have a tremendous ester character from yeast, you typically also have a, perhaps in, in some of the more refined forms, you get like a 25% uh, of that aromatic character being POF, so phenolic. Right, right. Okay. Uh, right. Phenolic off-flavor character. And so there's a spiciness underneath it. You get that, that those esters that are sort of, um, let's go with a, an indeterminate cloud or, or, or statistically unrepresentable cloud. Yeah. When you get them from hops, they're very, very clear. And there's a difference between hop esters yep. in yep. the way they express in the beer. They're, mm-hmm. they're, chemically, they are the same. But so, when they come out, they are attended by a different group of compounds. And the ones from uh, stressed fermentations, high POF positive fermentations, or high uh, membrane permeable or perhaps, so we say, expressive yeast strains... So, so stress fermentations that have other, there are going to be other issues but, present, yeah. probably like I'm, aggressive I'm, phenols or maybe even fusels or something could, like that. There could be. But which, but which, why, which why does that really matter if you don't like the beer? So, well, and, and Denny, that's, that's kind of where I was going to go. <laughs> and, I was going to say, I appreciate knowing the scientific yeah. difference. Mm-hmm. However, if it's, if it's what it infers to me, you're, you're then not, that's what matters. It carries that baggage. You're either not, way. You're yes. not drinking yeah. the science. You're drinking what's in your glass. Correct. Exactly. So, if it doesn't taste good, but, it's not good. Right. But I mean, yeah. it's like like Sorry. John John talking about associating that fruitiness with off flavors. Yes. I don't do that so much as I don't like the flavor of those beers mm-hmm. because they, they're too sweet for me. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, I first discovered this uh, after I gone to, uh, when I went to Sierra Nevada beer camp uh, down in Chico, the last thing they do on the last day is they give everybody a box of gallon Ziploc bags and take you to the hop freezer and say, go for it. Oh, nice. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and they had a bunch of, I can't remember the number, but it's what later became mosaic. Okay. Uh-huh. And I brought home a couple zip gallon Ziploc bags just stuffed with those because nice. they were really high on them there at, at Sierra Nevada. And I came home and I made a couple beers exclusively with those. And even though they calced out to like 70 IBUs, these beers came off sweet because yeah, of all yeah. the fruity character. Mm-hmm. Uh, same reason I didn't like Citra when it first came out, all okay. that kind of stuff. What I've since discovered is exactly what we were talking about a few minutes ago. Combine those with something else. Right, sure. And the, the interaction, Citra and Chinook, right on. Okay. You know? Yeah. That's, that's a great combo. Because Chinook has a bunch of stuff that Citra doesn't have. Yeah. Coming back right. to this contrasting and, you know, thing you're talking you, about. You, you, get, yeah. you get the no, no, no. slap from the Chinook. and synergistic. Yes. Yes. Synergistic, yes. Thanks yeah. both. You, you get the slap from the Chinook, and then kind of the hand-holding back from, <laughs> back from the fruitier hops like the, the citrus. Stuff yeah. Like that. Yeah, the caress. He's so good. Isn't I know, he? isn't he? <laughs> this is why he, That's right, yeah. Was he your technical editor or yeah. your romance editor? I don't know. Uh, that's a different man. book. That's the next that's, book. Yeah. Home. <laughs> home or love. Something that Ryan's doing. <laughs> so, I, I, and I'm glad that you bring this up. This is exactly what we're talking about. Uh, and so, that some of those, to, to those of us who are or old school will perceive them as too fruity. It doesn't. I, I do like again. I actually enjoy knowing the scientific difference, mm-hmm. but the perception is ultimately what matters. And right, if it's yeah. coming across as fruity or sweet, yeah. I it doesn't care matter where it comes from. It yeah. doesn't. However, I do like that we've understood that it's coming yes. from hops and not malt, right. because at least now we're understanding what hops are contributing. Yeah. I want to get us to a very quick break, and when we come back, we're going to talk about my favorite hop, which you just mentioned so hang in there it's the hop and brew school podcast and we'll be back right after these words 
Welcome back to the Hop and Brew School podcast. Thank you so much for hanging out with us today. Uh, my guests today are, shoot, I don't even know if I introduced you in the beginning. Nathan Smith. No love for me, Justin. Brewing Nolan. Network. <laughs> Thank you, sir. Nathan, let's give Nathan a hand. Uh, yeah, exactly. It's just, you know, huzzah, Nate, huzzah, he, huzzah. Nate, you're such a brewing network staple that we, I just forget you're there. Which sometimes. is good. Yeah. I can hang out on the I mic feel with like, you all day. No yeah. problem. You yeah. know what? When you when we forget you're there, you're like a cascade, my friend. <laughs> Hold up and reinforce the whole group. Super important. Important, yeah. yet we that, just... That may be one of the nicest things that's no. ever been said about one, a person. One, thank you. That is super cool. And I want, one thing about Cascade, which you mentioned earlier, an IPA, yeah. like, no one would balk at an IPA with Cascade, and some people would insist on an IPA with Cascade. So right. the first time I did a commercial beer ever was Roger Davis back at uh, Triple Rock. He, he took one pellet of Cascade. It wasn't in the recipe. He took one pellet of Cascade, and he threw it in the kettle. He's like... Nate, every IPA has to have Cascade. It's IPA. <laughs> yes! I love it. I love it. I thought that was pretty cool. Also joining me today, my good friend John Palmer, uh, hey. author of How to Brew. You can go to howtobrew.com and uh, get his latest edition. If you don't have it already, you need you it. Should. Yeah. You should. You need it. That's right. I don't care if you're an experienced. I don't care yeah. if you're an experienced brewer. You need that book. Yeah. Well, especially because he cites me as a source. So. Ah, there <laughs> we go. And my other good friend, Denny Kahn, uh, author of the new book, Simple Brewing, hanging out with us today. And... Uh, podcast host of uh, do you have two podcasts now or we have uh, experimental brewing and we have the brew files and it's one or the other every week okay is the brew files like the x-files uh, that's what Drew wants. He went, I, what, actually, he's trying to get me to do a ukulele version of the X-Files theme. Nice. Do it. <laughs> I'm, 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 I'm working on it. <laughs> Search Experimental Brewing in your uh, in your favorite podcast aggregator, and you'll find uh, that's right. uh, Denny's podcast there. So today, we are talking about... Um, I'll change it now for your sake, Nick. Legacy Hops. Thank uh, you. Thank yeah. you. <laughs> um, all right. And before the break, I mentioned that we we're going to talk about my favorite, which uh, Denny had mentioned, and that's and that's Chinook. I love Chinook. You know, I didn't even know I loved Chinook. <laughs> right. I, and I, to I, be honest with I you, I have to jump on that as well. I mean, it, it was a it was a, a hop that I initially shied away from, but then you start tasting beers that you love, and people say, "Oh yeah, there's Chinook in that." And you realize that it is one of those integral hops like Cascade, like yeah. others that supports the whole character. It does. And when it was described, you know, so much, at least for me, uh, of what I think we 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 attach to has to do with the story behind it. Yeah. And Chinook to me was was told to me about an English hop that's an old English hop and uh, uh, the Americans make it great and whatever. And it never related to me. It just didn't until exactly what you said. I just started finding out that it was in all of my favorite beers. Yeah. And even very recently, I, uh, I got to brew with Firestone Walker, and he laid out all these hops on a table uh, to decide what we were going to dry hop this beer with. And there was a lot of new school hops on that table. Uh, you know, some Citra and some Simcoe and, and so on and so forth. And, and Chinook was one of them, though. And, and lo and behold, every person in the room, our favorite hop was that Chinook. And I don't know if it's a Firestone gets the best batch of Chinook ever, but... Yeah, well, you know, and unfortunately, people don't think of Chinook as a finishing hop, right? Yeah, yeah. Because it has always had a reputation as a bittering hop because of the high alpha and stuff like that. And an aggressive one, like, yeah, too. Like, yeah, yeah. But the first beer I ever won an award for in 1999 was an American brown ale dry hopped with Chinook. Yeah. You know? And it's like... I didn't know what I was doing. I just figured, let's try it. Try it out, yeah. And it's like, to this day, you know, 
18 years later, I still make that recipe exactly the same. Yeah. Okay. See? The, the difference, though, is that the last time I made it, I made it with Chinook that came from Michigan. Hmm. And so it was talk to me about that. It was completely different than the Pacific Northwest Chinook. Really? Now, when we're talking about all these legacy hops and the beers that they go into that help define the American style, we're thinking of hops that are grown in the Pacific Northwest. Sure, we're assuming right? they're here, yeah. Right. So, you know, and we've all heard that terroir plays a, a part in hops and stuff. When I was in New Zealand a couple years ago, we went to a, a hop farm there, Max Hops, uh, you know, they're really well uh, they're good friends of, of the Yakima Chief families um, and they were telling us that they got cascade rhizomes to plant down there and they turned out so different they had to call them Taihiki because people would be expecting something completely different. Interesting. Uh, some yeah, friends yeah. in Michigan sent me uh, some Chinook that were grown there where I was here in the Pacific Northwest, Chinooks are piney and they've got some dankness and some sharpness to them. These Chinooks were pineapple. Mm-hmm. I then, would never associate that with Chinook. Uh, yeah, me either. And, and they were still great. So it, it's kind of like when you're talking about these hops, you, you can't you to, talk about them in a monolithic way. Yeah, you yeah, know? yeah. yeah. I, I love that you're bringing this up. Uh, I mean, essentially, we're talking about terroir. We're talking about climate. Mm-hmm. And it is... I mean, that's a whole other episode, really, to talk about how the hops that we know and love could really become something completely different grown somewhere else. Yeah, it's like like making an old hop into a new hop. Yeah, yeah. Just growing it somewhere else. This is something that is is tremendously uh, interesting and important to us, but the problem is is that I would really, really like, and I'm doing this on behalf of Jason Peralt, please stop using the term terroir. Oh, really? Yeah, because it means dirt in... Basically, it's like the dirt matters, and it's not. It's climatology. It is... It, most important is actually the uh, microbiome of the soil. Yeah, I, but I, that's I, dirt. I agree. No, no, that is the bugs in the dirt. I, I, now, now, see, now you're being... Now you've got your science hat on, and, I, and I'm only going to disagree with you on, 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 on this point in the sense that... The to layman, everybody else, it's dirt. The well, yeah, the layman. <laughs> and by the way, I'm gonna, I, I'm smart enough at least to understand that we're we're talking about what uh, the the mm. dirt is is comprised of. So I, I I'm happy to talk about the elements, the the nutrients, the bacteria. I know that that's all in there. But why is terroir, you know, why can't I just use a word that is that, that relates to us right. all to encompass all those things? Because You're, it oversimplifies it to the point where people think about it as being just the minerality. No, so no, what, how, do describe, how do you describe white wines? Well, I, I always, I always like, thought of wine tor- terroir as being the All region, of those things. Yeah, the region, the soil, it's, the it's climate. It's the difference between a scientific definition and an artistic definition. Yeah, what would I use instead? Let me ask you that. That, that, that would relate to most uh, folks like me. How about defining it by the character? Yeah, this see, is, now that's already too... Go ahead. This, it's already this, this, too this, specific, I think. Well, for the layman. Well, okay, no, let's forget about the 97 wine shelves because, I mean, as amazing that is for our lives now. Mm. I suppose it wasn't in the 80s. Um, I just want to point out that every guest just leaned forward on the table toward Nick <laughs> in a very uh, a very aggressive stance. Like, go ahead. Yeah, why don't you tell us? <laughs> Let's hear about it. I'm about to get it. Yeah, no one else can see this. I just I had to point about, it out. How about you say 
This is uh, from the uh, tropical fruit character. So let's even make it more generic rather than more specific. You know, this is a palm fruit character. No, 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 no. no, That's fine, but I actually think we're now talking about two different things. Yep. Uh, I think that I I brought it back to the expression and interpretation of it. Sure, but but that's only one characteristic. We're actually trying to do better to encompass all the characteristics by saying terroir. Yeah, to me, that's exactly right. To me, and to most people, terroir is not just the dirt. It's the entire growing experience. It's the place. It's the rain. That's how I think of it. What about the farmer? Yes. Yes, of course. That's part of it. Ah, but is he tied to the, to, to that particular region? Well, yes. yes. Why? That's where his farm is? Yeah. But tradition? Uh, I, I don't know. In YCH, we're talking about fifth, sixth, seventh, eighth generation oh, farms, so I'd treat, call them terroir. But we treat each variety differently. Yeah. This yeah. might be another episode. Yeah, I, I think so. I, think so. <laughs> I have derailed this one well into the no, no, no. Nick I is going his own direction, and we have no idea where that is. Not but only it, that, we're like ready to throw daggers about right. this. Yes, let's so. go. No, but it shows there's, Center. there's so much more to discuss. There. Yeah, there is there another is. episode. And, 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 yeah. and, and that we will do with, you know what, with farmers. Uh, and yes. In fact, there yes. you, know, that's a good you know, in fact, I will step out of it to make sure that I don't That start, it's unbiased, yeah. Well, not unbiased, but at least not biased by me. <laughs> <laughs> I am freely. I freely admit that I am a loudmouth. So, well, that's a bit of an interesting show. We, you know, we can we can go through so many varieties uh, and so many things about legacy hops, but we are running out of time. Um, I want to bring up one that I think is on the fringe. Um, it's one that makes me feel old. That I feel like it can go into the legacy hop. It's certainly a hop that is grown a bunch right now. It's a hop that's in demand. But it's a hop that when it came out was like the thing. It was the it was the Simcoe. So everyone was talking about it. Now I think everyone likes it and uses it and doesn't talk about it. And it's still like a, a dominant. Uh, 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 it's a fancy hop. It's Amarillo. Ladies See, that's and gentlemen. always a new one to me. Is yeah, it I, still yeah. new, right? I'm, I'm the it's same way. Variety. I think of Amarillo as a new hop. So here's... thousand. He, yeah, right. it was introduced yeah. then. Yes. And so it it's almost 20 years old. And, and the reason I bring it up as this, I tend to think of it like you two as well, except that I remember when it came out as a popular hop. Yeah. It was my favorite instantly. We talked about it on the Brewing Network. Oh, yeah. Every brewery Absolutely. I visited was like, oh, we're, yeah, that has Amarillo in it. It was the Simcoe. Yeah. It was Simcoe before Simcoe right. was Simcoe. Right. <laughs> exactly yeah. right. And now it's like this subtle, everyone still wants it. They just don't talk about it, right? There's no hashtag Amarillo. It doesn't have the hype like it used to. So I right? think it fits into our discussion because of that. It's still grown in great quantity, right, Nick? Yes. Uh, yeah. Uh, it's still purchased in great quantity, but no one's going... Um, yeah, hey, check out my latest Amarillo IPA. Right. Well, and that's because we have all these other new kids on the block. Yeah. And this this gets to like something that, that I wanted to bring up, which is what's the best music? Okay. <laughs> right. <laughs> Obviously, my opinion. Yes, that's it. For every single person, the best music. You listen to the news. Right? <laughs> the best music is the music they grew up with. Sure, right? sure, of course. And same way with hops. You know, I right. started brewing when Cascade and Chinook and Willamette and Centennial and all those were just hugely popular, and every beer was defined by them. And so I still see those as like my base hops, right. you know? 
Whereas if you started brewing in the last five years, you're going to be in love with like, you know, Citra and, and Simcoe's Simcoe. base. Yeah. yeah. Simcoe's yeah. the base and maybe even like, that's a dad's hop. Yeah. It's still cool, but that's like dad's hop. And, yeah. yeah, exactly. And Mosaic. And you're not even going to be thinking about these older ones. Yeah. Just like you guys don't think about music from the 30s and 40s. <laughs> right, right, you know? right. Yeah. Um, and so. Robert Johnson. Come on, dudes. Well, oh, yeah. yeah well, that's, beginning. That's different. <laughs> ah, okay. Well, you, you, you do but, make an excellent point. Yeah, yeah. It, it's it's what you get used to and become kind of like intrinsic to you, and and those are the best hops. Sure. Yeah, you're right, and I'm glad that we can all agree that the Beatles are the best band that ever lived. Um, I, I, I'd be there. Yeah. Okay. Uh, you know, I got I got a couple of daggers in the back alley. So, uh. Uh, a couple of notes. We were talking at the break. Uh, we had mentioned Brewer's Gold, and Nick wanted to make sure that we know that if you liked Brewer's Gold, you should probably check out El Dorado. Yeah, they're, they're very, 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 very similar hops. Okay, cool. so so check that out if you liked it. Um, Brewer's uh, Gold. So um, we talked about some of the other ones that were the older bittering hops like Magnum and all that stuff. Magnum, there was a big experiment done. I believe it was at CBC. Yeah. It was released, and everybody sort of brewed a beer with Magnum. Mm-hmm. It's a good hop. Yeah. It doesn't, you know, oversaturate your beer and all that stuff. And it actually, it's actually become a problem for, for, for the hop industry because there's not enough Magnum to satisfy everybody's <laughs> clean bittering needs. Sure. So right. they're trying to breed other ones for it. So it's kind of it's interesting for that. Um, but when you, com- when you think about old hops, if you really want to think about old hops, mm-hmm. let's talk about old European hops. Hallertau, Mittelfru, mm-hmm. Saz, Tetnang, Perla, all these things. They all are still in high demand for some of these classic lagers that we all mm-hmm. you know, have, have identified as the example of the style. Because, you know, sure. they don't adventure, but they also perfect. So these, these brewers really know what they're doing. Well, there's a crazy friend of mine in Sweden, um, the Eck brothers, it's Christian, Frederick, and Andre, um, and they run Brekkeriet. And uh, they made a fully wild sour with their own crazy open house culture, which is fantastic. They make excellent beer. Dude, dry hopped it with mosaic and saws. Hmm. And hmm. I shit you not. It was the single best beer I had in 2018. So old world spicy okay. character, noble, uh-uh. and new school. Uh-uh. So what did it come out the, as on the other side? The bacteria did some weird shit to it. <laughs> so biotransformation, and possibly? I have no idea. Right. Uh, it may just be the, 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 the asses, the different asses. And this is something that we, we've talked about before in, in different podcasts and also on, on different programs. Uh, but combining a new hop for that blueberry character with the saws and the spiciness somehow turned out into one of the fruitiest beers mm. I've ever had. And uh, it was like 4.6%, a lot, a lot of alcohol, not a lot of esterification going on, or esterification for the listeners, sorry. Uh, but it was absolutely phenomenal. Mm. And so combine a weird old hop yeah. with yeah. an expressive new hop. Play with the ratios. Yeah. And you're yes. going to get something completely different. Which is why I like doing things like putting Vanguard maybe in IPAs. Mm-hmm. Or. Interesting. Santiam. Santiam. I'm glad this comes up. It's, it's highly, Nate's favorite. Highly little content. 
and it's Tetanang like. Yeah. yeah, it's a great hop. A glacier. There's probably like two growers left, Remember if that. that. Yeah. Okay. Glacier, another one. Yes. Yeah. Fantastic. So uh, this is, I think, one of the great takeaways from this discussion is that these hops uh, are are still very much loved and can be even more loved when combined with your new fangled. I'm yes. allowed to use that. I'm, I'm at the age I can use that, right? Yeah, and totally you're, you're old enough. Yeah, yeah. yeah. New, with your new fangled <laughs> hops, uh, your your mosaics of the world, uh, combine them with with your old favorites, and I bet you'll end up with some cool shit pretty much that's that's the takeaway is yeah please mix them please play with them exactly. yeah. and if it's awesome and it has been vetted by all the pickiest people in your homework club yeah go ahead and send it to me i want to i, oh, I, I want to sign deposition <laughs> everyone <laughs> that is actually good <laughs> who, who cares about your homebrew club if you like it that's good enough you know what you know i what? like that, that. takeaway yeah. brew the beer you want to make that's yeah. right yep yeah you want to drink, sorry. <laughs> yeah, that you, that you want to drink, both. yeah. And both. Uh, well, this, okay, this is great. I feel like we can do this again. I feel like we should periodically check in about uh, about hops that are, you know. I think, I think that's great. And all of us can, like, kind of keep thinking about it and experimenting with old hops yes. and see what we can come up with. Yes, these, quote, old hops. Yeah. Yeah. My Amarillo that's from 2000. <laughs> yeah. Uh, hey, 19 it's 19. Years <laughs> Almost ready to drink. Uh, by the way, on that table of hops at Firestone Walker, when I said the the Chinook was so impressive, the the second most impressive one was Amarillo. All right, yeah, nice. yeah, right. too too yeah. great. Uh, I also think that somehow Matt contracts the best hops that anybody ever gets on planet Earth. Um, well, if everyone's not competing for the hype hop, then maybe <laughs> you can get really good quality well, ones. They, of the other guys that are still what's around, right? Right, right. Is this is important to remember, and please, this is the hop guy talking, but. Matt's favorite hop is not Nate's favorite hop. Exactly. It's not Justin's favorite hop. Sure. Although yeah. apparently it is. Uh, <laughs> right. But it's certainly not Denny's and Nick's favorite hop. Everybody's got your taste and you're not wrong. You're right. using right. the hop exactly. in the way you want to make the beer that you want to drink. Yep. That's what you got to focus on. Yeah. I like that what we've learned is that I'm usually right. <laughs> I think that's what we've learned today. Even even a blind squirrel fights in that once in a while. <laughs> yeah. I thought he just harvested the nuts at the bottom of the tree at midnight on July 4th. Uh, <laughs> Somebody keep Nick away from him. I know. You know what? I can only wrangle him in so much. Yeah. Ladies and gentlemen, Simple Home Brewing is available on the shelves today. You can get it on Amazon or go to brewerspublications.com and check it out. It's my friend uh, Denny Khan's new book. Thanks Thank for being you. here, Denny. Thank you. Justin. That was a lot of fun. Of course, uh, the the best homebrew guide ever written by my friend John Palmer in multiple editions, How to Brew. You should get that. You can go to howtobrew.com right now and check it out. Probably also buy that on Amazon. Oh, Justin, yeah. I got to yeah. tell you, you're um, a little bit off. It's not just the best homebrew guide. Pretty much every uh, professional brewer, not every, but all the professional brewers who started at the same time as me or younger. All have had a brew? All have it yeah. and use it as used it as their first year reference. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you are responsible for a lot of, lot of people with liver damage. Yeah. <laughs> I, I like to say women all over the world hate me. <laughs> you know, of course, the joke, and it's not entirely untrue, is that I don't brew that often, but you know what book of mine has tattered pages? It's How to Brew. Uh, that yeah, was always thanks. in my brew house also. Uh, Nathan Smith, he just hangs out and drinks beer. I just hang out and drink beer. It's great. Thanks, Justin. He also makes amazing beer. Oh, yeah. Yeah, uh, thank you, sir. If you ever get a chance to try Nathan's homebrew, uh, I always say this, and I, I, I'm reluctant to to give this idea out there 
Yes. And I mean this. I've thought about it a lot. Okay, sir. I'm being serious right now. If I were to open a brewery tomorrow, yeah. you'd be my brewer. Well, thank you, Justin. 100%. I'd, I'd You're my do guy. This. I You're would my take guy. that as an insult, man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We'll have Cascade yeah. in those why, beers, by the way. We're going to make a pale well. ale, and it's yeah. going to have some Cascade. I would, I would never Dude, actually, do that I, to a I, friend. I, I, <laughs> hey, hey, <laughs> hey, I think that's a job offer. <laughs> I think it is. Well, This is about to get serious off air here. I better, start the, I better start the GoFundMe campaign now. Yeah, that's true. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for hanging out with us. This is our final podcast from Hop and Brew School up in Yakima, Washington. It is not our final Hop and Brew School podcast, uh, fear not. But it's my first year getting to attend this event. Nick, I want to thank you and your team here at YCH for making me feel at home and welcome. And if you've never been to uh, to Hop and Brew School, uh, I recommend you come out here. Oh, Denny's yeah. been here a few sixth, times. This is my sixth. This is your sixth time? Okay. I know that Nate's been here before. Once before, 2011. John, have yeah. you been here before? I've been here before as well. Uh, it's available. It's open to both professional brewers and home brewers. It's awesome. So uh, it always happens this time of year. Uh, uh, late August, early September in in Yakima. And uh, when we mention it to you next year that tickets are available, go get them. It is uh, basically the Brewing Man Festival. It's Brewing Man. It's Brewing Man. (laughs) No, no, Brewing Man is September 28th at Necagrade. Is that right? Uh, Oh, is there already a Brewing Man? Because I was going to trademark it right now. Damn it! It's done. (laughs) And and as opposed to hops, it's on a barley farm. Nice, nice, (laughs) nice. Uh, So come out to to Hop and Brew School. Thanks for tuning in. Uh, we've got a lot of great content uh, content coming up for you. Check out our other, other shows on thebrewingnetwork.com. We've got a show for everybody. You can find Denny Khan's podcast by searching Experimental Brewing in uh, iTunes or Google Play. And thanks for hanging out with us. Take care of yourselves and your beer.